Alrighty, welcome everyone to episode one of Unwinding the Spool podcast. My name is Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely friend, Will. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Will. Yeah, so um, just a quick kind of intro for everybody. Uh, this is a podcast all about 3D printing or a podcast for makers who are kind of defined as the, the people who really enjoy 3D printing and creating cool stuff. Um, so in episode zero, uh, which we recorded a few weeks ago, we talked about our backgrounds in 3D printing or additive manufacturing, how we met, um, what we're doing now, and kind of what our plans are for the podcast. So if you missed that episode, definitely go check that out either on the YouTube playlist or on our Anchor or Spotify site. Um, you can catch it there, the audio version as well. So, um, Will, what are we going to be talking about today? Thank you for asking, Andrew. So today we are talking about what is 3D printing. This is the perfect episode. If you've barely heard of it, if you don't know a whole lot about it, um, this whole series of episodes here in the beginning is going to be a lot of what are the basics of 3D printing. And so uh, today we're just going to kind of go over what it is and kind of how it works and why it's great or not so great and kind of uh, where you where you can start. So I guess to get started, Andrew, how would you define 3D printing? What, do, what would you say it is? Um, well, it is kind of like 2D printing because you're using a uh, you know computer-driven uh, machine that is plotting material in a specific pattern. And in this case, it's, it's not ink on paper, it's molten plastic or metal too. Um, I think the best way to describe how a 3D printer works, though, and it's the common phrase that I go always go back to when I'm telling someone about 3D printing who has zero to little experience or background in the technology is every most people have heard of a hot glue gun. Um, if you've done any kind of like project or hobby or crafts, you've probably right. used a hot glue gun at some point. You've gone to the craft store. Um, well, for those people that haven't heard of a hot glue gun, you basically get these cylindrical sticks of plastic glue and you stick it in this gun and as the name suggests it heats up and melts the glue and you can kind of use it to bind different things together it's not super strong but it's good for you know crafts and and little things like that but basically a 3d printer is like a hot glue gun that has been attached to a computer motorized uh carriage or basically crane almost and then um, you know, you have your 3D model, um, and maybe we can get into this in a little bit later in the episode, but you have your slicer software and it cuts the model. And then basically your computerized glue gun is extruding that glue in a layer by layer fashion. That's another kind of phrase that you always hear with 3D printing is layer by layer. And it's because that's how a model is built, just like the name additive manufacturing suggests. That's how you're building a part in an additive fashion versus the other uh, side of manufacturing. Uh, you might have, some people might have heard of this. It's called subtractive manufacturing. So that's cons that's your typical milling, machining, grinding. You know, however you want to describe that, whether it be wood, metal, um, acrylic. I don't know. Uh, Will, do you have anything to add to that kind of like basic overall analogy that I might have left out? No, that's pretty good. I mean, just the way I like to think about it is if you if you take um kind of a, a the we're gonna get into the slicing and the all that software in a later 
uh, episode actually, but yeah. we are, we're working a little, but this is just talking with that. That's exactly it is you're, you're taking, imagine a glue gun, or sometimes I like to imagine like those um, big cement pouring machines where you can kind of move yes. it left and right and up right. in the kind of X and Y plane and you can pour cement kind of in this X and Y fashion. Sorry. My ring oh. is like going crazy here. Apparently someone's at the front door. Who's at the front door? Uh, it looks like some Boy Scouts. <laughs> trying to sell some popcorn or something. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. Just... Pardon that interruption. Yeah, we so... have to remember to silence all our devices. Yeah, please silence all your devices. Put your tray <laughs> cables up uh, and lift your seats into the upright fashion. Um, we, yeah, so th- that's effectively what you're doing is with additive manufacturing. I like the way you put it, Andrew, is... is 3D printing, additive manufacturing, whatever you want to call it, you're taking something, you're making a layer, and then you're adding a layer on top of it. Right. Even no matter what type of way you're doing that, where as we've Andrew and I are going to talk about different kinds of technology throughout this podcast, um, not this episode specifically, but maybe in future episodes, there are lots of ways that we create things layer by layer. But the very basic idea is just we are taking a layer of an object we want, building it out then putting another layer of the object on top of it. Yeah, exactly. That's and, another. Yeah, and I guess something that I kind of just thought of now is like we use the hot glue gun analogy. That's a, a little bit more common example that most people know what a hot glue gun is, but they actually have 3D printing pens. Yeah, um, they do. Which is a more rudimentary form of the technology where you take the computer driven part of it that's another thing that i think a lot of people uh mistake when you and i i do this sometimes too the the acronym cnc you know a lot of people uh coin that or or describe that to you know what is really conventional milling or machining whereas technically a 3d printer is a cnc machine which for those that don't know cnc is computer numerical control that just basically means that Whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're subtractive manufacturing, additive, it's driven by motors, stepper motors, you know, a computer that's driven by code and a special uh, from a slicer software. Um, And with those 3D printing pens, you basically take the CNC part out of it and you're just extruding the filament and then doing it however you want. I don't know. I don't know really what the novelty or where those 3D printing pens really apply if there's any kind of use for those but i think it's more of like an artsy craftsy thing if i'm it's way more a crafty thing i think it's very cool because it allows some pretty cool forms of art and artwork yeah Yeah. it's definitely less on the industrial side way less like i don't think i don't think i've seen ever an application of a 3d pen it's great for like education purposes sure sure. Um, yeah I actually, you, you bring up a good point. I may have some in my classroom just for kids to play with um, and break, but who cares? <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. I think that, that, yeah, that's that's a good point is this idea that, um, you know, a 3D printer is a scene. Like all of these, that brings up another good topic about what is 3D printing, which is similar to everything. It's just, it's a computer controlled, simple system that's right. run by a code called G-Code. This right. is incredibly basic, and it's been used since the early 90s, even like the mid 80s. Yep. It's just what it's a set of coordinates and an action, and that's all yep. it is. Right. Um, yeah, it's it it kind of funny. Uh, sorry, I mean to cut you off there. Very good. Uh, in one of my first summer jobs while I was in college, I was not to get on a too far off on a tangent, I was operating a CNC machine 
that was cutting uh, musical instrument reeds, like they were synthetic musical instrument oh, reeds. I forgot about that job. Yeah. Gosh. And so that's when I really got my first, because this was just before I kind of really started to get involved with the 3D printing <laughs> project um, with you at school. And so that was my first kind of uh, experience hands-on with the CNC machine. And this thing was a custom-built CNC out of the 90s, you know, specific Ooh. for this application. And it was still running Windows 95 or Windows <laughs> Millennium. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, and it was like one of those things where you, if you don't start up the computer in the exact sequence, like everything just goes haywire, you know? So, oh, no. So, yeah, no, it, it's kind of cool to see where this CNC technology has gone. I mean, you know, we're, we've gone from very basic, rudimentary, computer-driven machines, whether it be for additive or subtractive or... You know, there's, uh, I mean, we're just talking, you know, manufacturing, but there's a lot of other CNC driven uh, processes for different industries as well, which we can get into that in another episode. But, um, you know, now we've got, you know, crazy 3D printers that use all these crazy technology. And, you know, one thing at uh, my work that we just got in was these DMG Mori five axis like machining centers. And just to think that, that that's where we've, we're at now is these like state of the art, you know, where you can machine up some really crazy parts without having to refixture them a million times, you know, that's but, crazy. Uh, yeah. So anyways, not to get too far off on a tangent, but moral of the story is I think summing up kind of our first point is that a 3d printer is a CNC machine, computer numerical control. It's driven by G code, as Will said, and it's driven by stepper motors and a computer basically. Um, and the easiest way to describe how a 3D printer works is just attaching a hot glue gun to a motorized computer-driven head or carriage that follows a specific pattern that is mapped out by the G-code. And then you build your part in a layer-by-layer -layer fashion. So. Just to summarize the summary, because I feel like that's a good summation. Um, we... <laughs> Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I like that. I just, I just wanted to add, which is like, yeah. even beyond just to simplify, even that carriage mentality is like, imagine it's like a crane hooked yep. up to a computer, hooked up to a glue gun, and it's just doing, it's just going all over the place and making yep. it there layer by layer. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I so, think, you know, yeah. that was kind of the goal was to start episode one, uh, with this discussion point to really kind of help bring in the people who are like literally have no idea what a 3d like is a 3d printer right. like a regular inkjet printer but they just it you know but no it's it's really not it doesn't share too many features with a standard 2d inkjet printer i guess very very little um uh, but let's just to just to move the show on um yeah. uh so andrew why why do you consider 3d printing great what are what are the what are the things you love about 3d printing Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it definitely has many great areas. Uh, the first, and I'd say, and at least in my opinion, the, the, the biggest positive or pro of 3D printing is your ability to uh, rapidly prototype. Um, so that's a common phrase that you'll hear in the additive manufacturing world is rapid prototyping. And that basically means, uh, you know, for an engineer like you or me or whoever else, you know, if you're designing a custom part or a new part or a replacement part and you are not, sometimes, you know, you can do all the calculations, you can do all the stuff in CAD that you want. And when you have the physical part in the real world, it doesn't always fit sometimes or you, you, you feel it in your hands and it needs adjustments. Well, that's where really 3D printing really shines in this particular area is that it allows you 
a much quicker turnaround time, that's another buzzword that you'll hear in the industry, uh, of being able to design and then get a physical part in your hands versus if you were to do that by conventional uh, milling or machining, it would take significantly longer and be considerably more expensive because you're obviously doing it at metal versus like a prototype part, a quick prototype part can be made from, you know, cheap PLA plastic, um, you know, or, you know, non, non-expensive material. Um, I think that there, there's many, you know, areas why it's so great, but I think that's the biggest one. Would, yeah, do you have anything else to add? No. Yeah. So I, just to come from a different angle for me, I think the biggest, most enjoyable part of 3D printing for me is being able to take an idea from your head to the page to a a modeled object to a physical object pretty quickly. So from a creative standpoint, um, you know, from an industrial standpoint, Andrew, I love your point about it's Mm -hmm. it's really good turnaround times. I mean, a great example, not to get too far off my own point, but (laughs) a great example of your, of that was when we were working on the cart and we would mm. send a part to go get machined at that shop in the right. mechanical engineering department, and it would take two weeks. And we'd yep. have to go get the material and bring it to them, and they would take two weeks, and then we'd get yep. it back. Uh, we very much appreciate the shop at the mechanical engineering. They're the only reason we had metal parts. Um, but, you know, for fitting and fitments and stuff, we we had 3D printing, so we were able to churn out two, three, four different versions of a fitment within yeah. a, you know, a matter of a day. Yeah, and we could be boom. This fit. Nope, that didn't fit. Right. And the great thing is, we could send the actual prototype with that with the material and be like, "This plastic prototype, we need it made out of this metal." Right. <laughs> Go. Yeah. For it. yeah. No, and that kind of also plays into another con. Uh, piggybacking off of that is like when you're designing something and you know two D like drawings on you know. F- when you make SolidWorks drawings or whatever CAD program you use are, are great. You know, you can have isometric views and you got your basic, you know, three front side top views, you know, to, to kind of try and give whoever it is, the, the, the person that's been making it or who you're working with an idea of what this part is and what its shape is. Sometimes though, with really abstract parts that are complicated in design, or there's minute features that are hard to visualize on a 2D drawing, it's it's great to have a, a quick demo piece that's 3D printed to show, you know, whoever it is, the machinist, your project manager, like, hey, you know, this is the hole or this is the, the chamfer that we need to change because of this, you know. Um, so it's, it's a great visualization tool also, whether it be for, you know, work or for education, right? You can use it in a classroom setting or, uh, you know, in college when you're trying to demo, you know, how parts fit together, um, you know, thread engagement, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's such a great way to, especially if you're me and you have a lot of anxiety around part fitment. Yes. Where I just got all this like, oh man, I don't like, uh, I don't want to tell the guy to do this and then it not work because that's time yeah. and money wasted. Yeah, I love no. being able to like make a three D printed quick cheap piece out of plastic and just like, boop. Yeah, check it. Yeah, out. no, it's it's definitely takes a lot of guesswork out of. I mean, it kind of assists your guesswork, I guess, to some yeah. degree. Um, versus you know spending all that time and money and you machine a part out of billet aluminum or whatever, and you're like, well that doesn't fit. So we got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, also going back to kind of from the creative side, I think what's great is you can take like an idea like, man, uh, well, I mean, one of the things that Aldrin and I, uh, my business partner, I mean, you, Andrew, have also worked on mm-hmm. is like printing out objects from fantasy games. 
Oh, like yeah. All kinds of things. So, like, for yeah. example, actually right here on my dad's desk, uh, I'm at my parents' house, actually. But um, yeah. this is a little ocarina from the Ocarina of Time, which is a Zelda game. Oh. And so, like, it's a working ocarina. Um, That's pretty cool. <laughs> For and, those that are uh, for those that are listening, it, it it's like a little musical instrument, right? Basically. Yeah, it's like a little flute, like a band. Yeah. yeah. And so, what's great, um, we'll have photos of that up on a something at some point. I'll, yeah, I'll, we'll have to reinsert that here. Um, yeah, but, we'll have an but, unwinding the spool like uh, website where we can have our collection of images, or you know, at some point. Yeah, some of the visuals and things like that. But we, uh, so the the beauty is being able to take things that exist in our imaginations and exist in kind of our, our, the world of our kind of far reaching dreams and things like that. And you can make them a reality very quickly and you can kind of understand, you can also understand the difficulties of making them real quickly. So that way you kind of understand, Hey, if I want to make this, if I want to do this, art project if mm-hmm. i want to make this sculpture if you 3d print it and it's got parts where it fails you can go okay well that would have been hard to do with conventional manufacture like conventionally making it as well right um and also what it allows you to do is if you have this idea for i don't know if you want to make like a brand new product and you're really excited about it and like let's say you've got like a great idea for a door handle or something i don't know let's just say that you got a great idea yeah. for a door handle you've, you've revolutionized how we open a door um <laughs> And you're just like, oh, man, this thing's going to blow the socks off everybody. And then you just you go and you 3D print it and you go, this thing doesn't work at all. Yeah. <laughs> this is garbage. Or you can yeah. go, and like, man, this is going to change the world. But right. either way, you get instant feedback. It's that sure. it's that feedback of and I think that's kind of what we're getting back to is, as well here with the industrial, the creative, all these, the educational side. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to incorporate it in my classroom this year with robots where they're going to, you know, kids are going to ask for certain parts to be printed and I'll be able to 3D print them. And then they'll be like, wait, that didn't fit. And I'll be like, well, don't worry. You know, like, hey, that's OK. Yeah, you know, that's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it, it's a very empowering tool. And I think it really brings down the barrier to entry for a lot of mm-hmm. different projects and businesses um, to to convey their idea and a new product. And like you said, on the on the flip side of like, if you created this door handle and you're like, well, that doesn't work. But at the same time, if you had the access to a 3D printer and you're able to print a prototype and let's say you go to a venture capitalist meeting or a funding meeting or Shark Tank, I don't know, and you're trying to like pitch them, you know, it's way easier, in my opinion, to convince someone when you have a part in your hands um, that, you know, is tangible uh, so that people can see it. And it's, it's a, it's a very satisfying experience. And, and aside from just the, the, the functional feasible side of it, it's a satisfying experience too with 3d printing, being able to go from a digital design on a screen and with a matter of, and within a matter of hours or a day, you can have this part in your hands. It's a, it's a very empowering feeling, you know? Yeah. And that, that creating access too is is we'll talk more about the support softwares and the other pieces of 3D printing later, but the modeling, the slicing, there's mm-hmm. free versions of all of this online. Sure. You don't even have to download the software. You can actually just use it in your browser. And that makes it such a powerful tool where just about anyone can access the necessary things to get to a 3D print. And then not to mention with the world of public makerspaces and library makerspaces, it's also probably feasible to find a 3D printer within your area. Oh yeah, to use. Yeah, and so, yeah. 
I mean, you and can then, definitely. Yeah, that's a, we can just, I think that's a later point and we can talk about of, of like where to find your first 3D printer to use if you yeah. can't, if you don't have the means to purchase one, uh, which most people, when they're first getting into it, it's hard to digest dropping hundreds of dollars on something. You're like, do I even know if I like this or not? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, you have your own personal story and we can get to that for sure in a second. Yeah. I guess, I guess before we dive into that, do you want to talk about the, uh, the not so great. What do you what do you not yeah. like about three D printing? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a fair point that we need to talk about. Also, it is not a silver <laughs> bullet technology, unfortunately. There's nothing like that in this world. Um, I'd say the two biggest drawbacks when it comes to three D printing or additive manufacturing um, is one is the materials. You know, uh, when you're printing, it, most of the time when you're three D printing, you're printing with polymers and plastics, right? Um, where, you know, if you need a part that needs to be really strong or be, you know, pretty resistant to heat sometimes, it can be tricky. It's it's not impossible. There's huge, been huge breakthroughs in material technology and innovation over the, I'd say, the past 10 years even uh, with uh, polymers and 3D printing. Um, and then, the and then the, of course, now there is metal 3D printing too, but that's... Uh, the upper echelon of additive yeah. manufacturing, you know? Um, so <laughs> definitely not a lot of people have access to that, but so the materials is one. Um, however, you know, that'll be a whole nother episode is just talk about materials with 3d printing and all the awesome cool. materials that we have access to. Cause that's a lot of juicy content right there um, that we could get into quite a rabbit hole, but they've come a long way. There's still a little bit of a drawback um, with certain parts. Like I've just been kind of doing some random material testing on my own and seeing how parts hold up to heat and weather and UV, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and then I'd say the other big drawback from my point of view is just the time um, with how long it takes sometimes to make a part. And there's a great visual that when we get our little database going with uh, um, pictures and, and, and visuals and whatnot, there's a great visual that I found online at some point that shows you the uh, return on investment versus uh, I think it was uh, time to make the part compared to cost of the part and also or initial cost as well. So that's where like under 10 parts, you know, you're really in good shape for doing 3D printing because, uh, you know, you don't have to make mold tools. You don't have to set up for expensive uh, milling machines. But then the minute you try and produce hundreds, thousands of parts, you're kind of your it's a diminishing return as far as making it worth it in 3D printing. Um, that's where like injection molding would take off and, and be more of an advantage. So, it, you know, it can definitely take a long time to print parts. I'd say like certain larger parts, if you want them to be stronger, um, have a denser infill, like you're talking at least a few days sometimes. And, you know, if you're trying to make a bunch of parts, uh, your printer can get backed up and it just takes a while. But uh, so, yeah, I'd say those two things are, from my point of view, the, the, the largest drawbacks. But do you have anything to add or that? I would say, you know, I, talking about access, um, mm -hmm. it, it's like we'll talk about it in a minute. Like there is a lot of potential access, but I wouldn't say it's at all universal or at yeah. all everywhere. And the issue is because we've now had a decade or so of different technologies, of different companies making different kinds of styles of printers. Sure. Um, we don't have like a universal go-to. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, A, there is a huge, you know, there's a tendency for people to blame 3D printing as a whole for the reason it didn't work when it may mm -hmm. just be that 3D printer 
or the per how that person takes care of that 3D printer right. or where that 3D printer is. I mean, we'll get into this about how it can be sometimes. I mean, if you're printing in Minnesota versus Southern California, you're going to have very different experiences and you're going to have to have very different climate controls. Sure. I mean, I don't know, Andrew and I, we don't even, I don't even put a box around mine. We don't have yeah. the, the, the fluctuations of environment that people yep. in different climates would. Um, and so I would say that the, the issue is, there's an expectation that it performs uh, it performs as well, no matter what, like a mm-hmm. document printer. Like you should be able to go out and grab one and it should perform the way you want it to. Right. Um, and it just doesn't. It's just yeah. not here. Um, yeah. And also the, I think for my second kind of like gripe about it is the amount of money you can spend on a printer and still have to work on it. You know, I've worked with, yep. I've worked with, Printers that cost seven hundred dollars and printers that cost you know upwards of ten thousand dollars, and both of them have all anywhere in that spectrum. I've had to tinker on it. I've had yep. to open it up. It hasn't worked perfectly, um, and I, I would say that's still one of those things where, like, if you spend, you know, don't get me wrong, you spend one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars on HP's new like part making system yeah yeah it's gonna work they also have an engineer come out and set it up so it's not sure. you know they're they have expensive service contracts that you have to upkeep the maintenance and you know there's absolutely. many things absolutely. that come with that but like you know for you and i all both of our printers they're and all the printers at my school i mean they they some of them i fixed because they just needed fixing even though they were like the school versions that were supposed to be kind of bulletproof and like right. to be fixed yep um, so I think that those are the two things, the, the, the access needs to be better. Mm-hmm. And then the, um, the, the, I guess the clarity, the, yeah, the clarity on what needs to be done yeah. needs to be more consistent. We need to understand right. that this is still very much like a, so there's a, there's a big yeah. learning curve that there's a lot a of people aren't aware of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you, the, both of those points are extremely valid, especially the one about the learning curve. Like you nailed that on the head. Cause I'm a part of several different 3d printing, like forums and groups, like on Facebook and, and whatnot. And I can't tell you how many people ask the same question. You know, there's obviously common problems that happen with, you know, people who are getting into 3d printing as beginners, but you know, like you said, exactly. It's like a lot of people expect these things that you pull them out of the box whether you spend 400 bucks or $4,000 on a printer, you expect them to pull out of the box and print right away. And to some level, you can get lucky and, you know, you'll have a pretty good experience. But at the same time, you may be able to print a part and have it, you know, the part finished successfully, but the, the print quality might not be great. Like you might get a lot of blobs and stringing and that's, an, you know, an, a troubleshooting episode that we, every time we have a new conversation here, I feel like we keep unraveling content for more episodes, which is great because we have so yeah. much to talk about. Now we got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a big misconception that like, you know, you can get these things, plug them in, load up a file and boom, you're good to go. Like there's a lot of learning that has to come with it and, and being a good troubleshooter and like doing cause and effect analysis of like, okay, uh, the effect was my print was, you know, very stringy. Well, the cause of that might be, you know, uh, retraction settings. Like you have to know how to tune your printer based on the results and whatnot. Yeah. And I mean, just to add on to that, the, 
the analogy that I've heard and used a lot is I think people assume we're at modern day, like com personal computing products in that same way. Like, like they assume that 3D printers are in the same vein as like an Apple computer that's just ready to go out of the box. Whereas really 3D printers are still kind of in like the Apple one wooden like computer that you built that yourself and like had to tinker with and bought a kit. Like we're still really in 3D printing. We're there mm -hmm. we're very much like maybe we're a little beyond it, but we are still early on in the evolution of it as a technology that can just come out of the box. And that's partially not even on the consumer. That's, that's on, that's on the advertising of the industry. I mean, the industry yeah. loves to tout that they've got this machine that just works day in, day out, right yeah. out of the box. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even Ultimakers, even some of the industry leading printers still need work. Oh yeah. No yeah. We've got an, yeah. We've got an Ultimaker three at work um, in my office and <laughs> I, I tell you that thing has almost given us, you know, 10 times more problems than our, you know, the Creality printers uh, there that, you are, go. that are, you know, a fourth of the cost. Um, there you go. So, you know, th there is some level of like cost will give you a better quality printer, more features, and it might be a little less prone to breaking, but it's, there's still, you know, even with the expensive guys, like you said, well, like you're going to run into problems that you got to know how to troubleshoot or know the right questions to ask and, and, and research. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So yeah. No, it, like uh, 3D printing is awesome. Definitely has its drawbacks, just like with anything. But I think right. those are they're they're easily um, able to be overcome with the right amount of research and education um, and just learning how to apply the technology in the correct areas and not, you know, that that's the other thing, too, um, that I think sometimes happens is people 3D print things that don't need to be 3D printed. Right. You know? exactly. Like, exactly. If you're trying to 3D print like a bolt or a nut, like go to the Home Depot and buy one, you know, the, the, so much the idea, right. The idea <laughs> with 3D printing is to make stuff that you can't get off the shelf commonly or that costs a lot to machine, you know, that uh, absolutely would be more difficult to get. So, uh, yeah, so it's got. Pros and cons, just like everything. Um, so let's see. So our next talking point is kind of like what's next for the technology industry. So how could we approach this question without kind of getting too far down a rabbit hole? Because this, you know, episode's obviously intended for beginners, so we don't want to overwhelm them. But yeah, so for the beginners, I'd say where where we're at, you've probably seen you can print plastic parts, you can print metal parts, um, you can print. Um, oh, where's the, t I think one of the interesting, you know what, I'm going to just say, I'm, I'll, I'll say for my answer, I'm going to say one of the really weird, interesting ones that where it's going <laughs> is 3d printing food. That's one of the wow. weird ones. So okay. I've seen this, but it's this, like, they take this mushroom protein slurry <laughs> and they 3d print a steak. Like it's got this tube and it's just kind of pneumatically shoving this liquid, and it does it layer by layer, yeah. just like a normal 3D printer, and then you can cook it like a steak. Huh. And it looks and it bleeds like a steak. And that is it looks cool. I did not know that they were doing that. I've seen people like 3D print chocolate, like they heat up chocolate yes. and extrude that too. Uh, but I did not know that they were doing that with like mushroom steaks. So. Yeah. No, so that's <laughs> that's one of the where's the technology going? I have no idea what it's gonna be, what 3D printing and food is gonna really end up doing. Yeah. Where it's going. 
but it is going there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I'd be interesting to see, like, if there's a whole restaurant at some point in the future where it's like, your whole meal is three printed. I don't know how that works. We'll, we'll have a, yeah, we'll have a, a guest star. My friend Amanda is a food scientist. We'll have her guest star. Oh, and okay. We'll see what we can get in 3D printing in the world of food. Maybe, you know what, maybe where that might apply really well is um, like remote areas, places that don't have access, like shipping, like full on crates of produce is not feasible. So they ship these little, almost like MREs kind of, you know? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a different version of an MRE. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You just ship this little packet of goo and then it <laughs> extrudes it and cooks it. <laughs> it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. Um, but no, I think another area where 3D printing is definitely going, um, you know, polymer technology is always growing, you know, recycling, obviously Will has got great background in that. We'll talk about that in another episode. Uh, but just polymer technology in general, like now we're having like carbon fiber reinforced polymers being able to be printed, uh, you know, just really high temp materials like peak and Altem, you know, so really high grade polymers are now able to be printed versus probably what, 15 years ago, that was, uh, the upper echelon. Now it's kind of come down a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's the, uh, ability to, to have access to that. Um, and I think the other area, you know, I did a little bit of research on while I was in grad school, cause I did a, a few medical, uh, device focused classes was they were, you know, kind of 3d printing organs. That was kind of a, a few articles that were, uh, posted <laughs> and, and written about. Yeah. I think it was university of Michigan. If I'm not mistaken, because, you know, without getting into another rabbit hole, you know, when you get an organ transplant, right, you have to take anti-rejection medication so that the organ isn't rejected by your body. So I think what they were doing was they were 3D printing, uh, like, organs with just the basic tissue or cells without any DNA in it. And then they were able to print, like, the scaffolding for it and then inject your own DNA in the organ, and then it's like a 3D-printed organ. I think they tried it with, like, a pig heart or something like that, but, you know, that's a, that's that's another upper echelon of 3D printing, but that's that's where it's going. You know, it can be uh, used in the, the medical industry, whether it be for organs or medical devices, you know. Uh, being able to print metal and, like, titanium is great area for, uh, I think, a company local here in San Diego just passed through a few certifications, like a metal 3D printed, uh, like joint replacement or something like that. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of going off that with metal 3D printing also like aerospace, you know, I work in the aerospace industry for my full-time job. Um, you know, OEMs like Boeing, Lockheed, uh, Northrop Grumman, they're starting to really use metal additive, uh, to make parts for the next generation of aircraft or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and it's really cool to see that because it, it allows, uh, companies to make a lot more, uh, revolutionary designs that weren't, aren't possible through conventional like milling. Yeah. There you go. So, there you go. Yeah. So, so a lot of different fields. Yes. That it's that 3D printing additive is going towards, and uh, it's really exciting to see that. So we'll kind of, you know, I think the plan we kind of already talked about this is, you know, in some later episodes we'll dive a little deeper into like the latest cutting edge uh, areas of additive, whether it be maybe we do one on on the medical field and medical industry, we do one on aerospace, you know, just materials in general, stuff like that. And as we get kind of deeper into it, we'll also kind of do some news updates and kind of keep everybody sure. 
try to make this a place to keep everyone updated on what's going on that's new. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know recently. Like, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. I was no, just saying recently right. Stratasys launched a bunch of new products and printers. So that'd be kind of cool. Like maybe like a five minute segment in the future. We can talk about like some of the latest news, you know, and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, so moving on, cause I know we're, we're, you know, we gotta, yeah, I know we like to talk a lot, which is why it's awesome, but <laughs> which is why we got to do this podcast. Exactly. Um, so I think for now we can kind of, I think we can wait on buying your first 3d printer until another yeah. episode. Maybe yeah. we focus on where to find, uh, 3d printers to use. Um, where can, where can you find one to use? So you don't have to go buy one yourself. Yeah, so what are some, no, I'll, I'll think of some, but what are, what are some, uh, I can think of some, but what are some sources you can think of that you kind of can go try them out? Sure. Yeah, no, it's a great thing to talk about because like we said, you know, if you're just getting <laughs> into this, you probably right off the bat don't want to drop hundreds of dollars on a printer. So if you can kind of just get your feet wet by trying someone else's out that you have access to is a great way to get started. Um, and one big one, I think uh, local libraries, I'm not sure. It depends obviously city to city. Uh, libraries have 3D printers and then, um, you know, community colleges, you know, community colleges will have them. And uh, so what were the areas you were thinking, Well, Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I was thinking if you're at school, really check with your school, too. Uh, if you're in, you know, even like high school or middle school, mm -hmm. like they might they might have them or they might know where to find them within the district you're in. Um, if you're at you know, university or even go to your local university, check in with your local community college. That's a great yeah. space. Educational spaces have a lot of them. Usually libraries tend to have them. Uh, if you've got access to them, um, there's uh, what else? Uh, sometimes there are actual like maker spaces. If you look up mm -hmm. maker spaces around you, if you've ever heard of the maker movement, if you haven't uh, just look up make.com. Great spot to start and look for maker spaces. Um, I know we've done with my company, Closing Plastics, we've done a lot of work with, uh, the Los Angeles public library system. Right. Um, but we've also done work, you know, all kinds of work with other school districts. Uh, and we've also, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of other places I've seen it. Um, oh, I mean, there's also online services where you can send a part to be mm. made and it'll be shipped yeah. to you. So maybe yeah. if you're in a more rural area and you don't quite have access to these things right there is a way where you could take a part if you were like man i want to see what this looks like 3d printed maybe i want to try this out then you could send it away it costs a little more it's a little more mm -hmm. of a cost up front but you know yeah i think some of them you can get done as cheap as 20 bucks and you can get right. a part made and test it out and see if you like it see if you think yeah. that that 3d printed product is worth using right yeah that's a great way if you want if you ha already have ideas for stuff you want to make and uh, you just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, that's an awesome way, 3D printing services. Um, with that, you don't get the hands-on feel, I don't think, as much of being able to right. you know, work with the printer. But, you know, if you're, like you said, in a remote location or something, it's a little more uh, difficult to find something locally. That's another great alternative with the uh, age of the Internet that we're in. You can just send a file over the Internet and have it mailed to you as a physical part. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. So no, there's, there's a lot of great resources. Um, 
you know, we were going to, we'll probably save this for another episode. We we're going to talk about buying your first 3D printer. There's a lot of good entry-level printers that if you feel comfortable and you have some money stowed aside for purchasing one, you can definitely do that. And then maybe what we'll do in that episode too is uh, also kind of talk about when you get your printer, what should you expect? You know, what are some, yeah, kind of absolutely. Like, some basic tuning and setup of your printer that you should know how to do so that you're set up for the best chance of success possible with your first commenting now for us to make this a phone episode. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think maybe we can stuff this in, we can stuff that in as episode two and then we can push our original episode two back to three and so on, you know, because I think Absolutely. buying your first yeah. printer will, will piggyback off well off of this episode. Absolutely, yeah. So, oh, cool. All righty. Well, I think we're about, you know, at our time here. And, uh, you know, I think that was a lot of good content to talk about for episode one. If you're a beginning uh, 3D printer or maker, I hope you learned something from this uh, podcast. And, uh, of course, if you guys have any questions for us, please feel free to email us or leave a comment on the YouTube video. Our email is unwindingthespool at gmail.com. Um, so I think in the next episode, like we already said, we're going to talk about buying your first 3d printer, things to look out for, setting it up, tuning it for your best chance of success. And, uh, we'll go from there. Does that sound good? Will? sounds great to me, man. I, I hope everyone enjoyed this and I hope we didn't uh, go off on too many tangents, but we try to keep no. it all at least related. I know it's, it's hard to, <laughs> to not go on tangents when you're talking with like, one of your best friends, you know, just about stuff you like it's doing. True. Yeah, but we'll, we'll reel true. it in, and uh, I think it still makes for a lot of great content, and uh, I'm excited to see where we keep going with this. Yeah, I am cool, too. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. Yep, thank you all so much for either watching or listening. Make sure you guys stay tuned for episode number two coming out shortly here. And uh, in the meantime, hope you guys are all doing well. Stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll see you guys in the next one.